Okay, so it's my pleasure to have Bruce Pepin with us today. And Bruce has written the book, The Best is Yet to Be. And Bruce, you and I go back all the way to 1992 in Monument, Colorado, when we came in as the new pastor and family at Tri-Lakes Chapel. Can you believe that? Oh, there's so many great memories of those early days when our kids were young, and it was just exciting to see the church grow and all the things that God was doing. It really was a, a memorable time. And we had similar backgrounds. You'd been at Talbot when I was at Biola, and then we went to Dallas Seminary. I didn't go on to Talbot, but we reconnected in Colorado, and it's just a privilege to have you here today. So you've written this book that's been super helpful to a lot of people, The Best is Yet to Be. And I just want to start, I mean, the opening, I I write on books as I read them, and I, I wrote on it, what an opener. I hit a wall in May 2000. I didn't know if my marriage was going to make it or if I could hold my family together. Most of all, I felt betrayed and abandoned by God. The irony was I worked for a Christian ministry. I felt like a phony, just going through the motions while my life was falling apart. Depression had me by the throat, and I couldn't pull out of its grip. What what was that time period like for you? And I love how you say, and I worked for a Christian ministry, because the thought is, we're not supposed to have that happen in our life. We work at a Christian ministry. That was such an intense time, and it it gradually snuck snuck up on me. I wasn't planning for that, but I think the day-to-day living and the the pressures, the stresses, uh, with even in a Christian organization. But I got to the point where there was a disconnect between me and God, and I didn't realize it until things started to accumulate, and and I I realized, wow, um, I don't see myself in the Scriptures. I'd read Mm. the Scriptures and think, well, God. I hope that works for some people. It's certainly not working for me. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Uh, that really wasn't my experience. So that began to snowball on me, and then things started to compound at home, and the pressures there, raising a young family, and the marriage stresses, and I got to a point where I wasn't sure I could keep it all together, or if I even wanted to keep it together. I was I was about ready to say, this is too hard. I'm I'm ready to to uh, just get out of here. Wow. And we have talked about this before. We've even prayed, God, save us from being professional Christians Mm -hmm. that just say the right things, do the right things, look good in man's eyes. But really, we don't have the heart for it. Uh, In fact, I do a little Bible study every day where I talk about head, heart, and hands, not just read the scripture and, oh, that was nice. What am I going to do about it? Because we can we can become pharisaical. And unfortunately, that happens in Christian work, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I actually had to take a month off. I had to go to my boss and say, I, I just, I don't know if I'm going to pull out of this. Took a month off and I had a counselor tell me, Bruce, you're living like a practical agnostic. Well, talk about going through the motions and all of that. That was a wake up call. He said, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to hold on to your faith if you keep going the direction you're going. So that was a shock. So during that time, I just I just went out into the back country of Colorado with these mountains, and you're very familiar with all these 14,000-foot mm-hmm. mountains. And I went out into the wilderness area, climbing my first tall mountain like that. 
And then it struck me as I was way out in the middle of nowhere, nothing but just remote uh, landscape and some barren rock. And I said, Bruce, this seems like just a metaphor of your life. You're out in the middle of the wilderness. How did you get out here? You're just lost. And Lord, help me to find my way back. I don't want to be here. And through all the whole process of kind of recognizing a lot of the things that got me off track, I was able to come back. So mm-hmm. pull, pull back from the edge and uh, get back on with the Lord, thankfully. So look at how God uses the lowest time in your life to birth something that eventually became a book. It, I was thinking about that today because it, today is a very historical day in the Jewish faith. It's the ninth of Av, the ninth day of the month of Av. And going back to the book of Numbers, this is when the 10 spies said, we're not going into the promised land. It's dangerous. There's giants in there. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go. Let's charge. What are we waiting for? But they didn't want to go. And that marked a day in Israel's history when they didn't trust God and things fall apart. And ironically, God has used that day over and over. The first temple, 586 BC, was leveled by Nebuchadnezzar the day that it ended and everything was over, the ninth of Av. Same thing happens 70 AD by the Romans, leveled, ninth of Av. Spanish Inquisition starts on the ninth of Av. World War I, ninth of Av. World War II, ninth of Av. Uh, Adolf Eichmann brings the final solution to Hitler on the ninth of Av. It's this repetition of history over and over. And so for Jews, today... They are fasting, and they're holding their breath that nothing horrific happens, but they look forward to that day because they realize there's lessons they learned, even though it was bad, even though today is a day of mourning, the follow-up to it tomorrow is a day of rejoicing because they look at the lessons they learned, and those always come out of the tough times. This was a tough time for you, the worst in your life, and who would have thought that a book would have come out of this. How, how did you even get the idea to do that? Well, it was a gradual process when I was able to turn a corner and come back and realize that God had plans for my life were actually good. I was a take-control type of person. I think I know the better way to do it, and it certainly failed. It fell on my face. So, I, okay, Lord, I'll let, I'll let you really take the lead there. And I began to think, I don't ever want to go back here again. How does somebody finish well? How do you even get to the end of your life or at least be on track to finish in a way to hear those six incredible words? Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. We all want to hear that. But Mm -hmm. there's a a lot of detours and things that can happen. And so I said, I don't want to ever go there again. And I began to study that and look at it. And you look at the scriptures and principles would happen. So I had a, I had a group that I was in, small group, uh, uh, some guys, and occasionally the wives would, would join. But we were, we were there. And every so often I'd just say, hey, look what I've just learned. Because I was fortunately able to share honestly with them, mm-hmm. which I encourage people to do. So often I think we have to keep um, a certain image. Yeah. And I, I was like that until I was so flat on my face, I had to be honest with people. And I really encourage people to just open your heart up to some trusted friends. So I was able to do that. And I'd start sharing. And after a while, they say, wow, that's that's not bad. 
that's pretty good. And we would just talk about it and go on and on. And that was a process. And then finally, after, I don't know how long that was, but they said, you know what, have you ever thought of writing that down? So then that became a process. And, and uh, then the book came out of it, which was a book that says, yes, this is one of the highest goals of our life right. to, uh, next to coming to know Jesus is then to finish well for him. Stay sure. hand in hand with him all the way through. That's right. It's what we want to do. And so this has become more than a book for you. This is this is really your life, and this is your life message. It yes. truly is. Yes, this is it. And I can't tell you how many people I will talk to, and when they hear that thought, it's an interruption. It's Well, it's a disruptor. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. It adds some clarity to a situation. What Would I make a decision differently if I was thinking, wait, is this going to keep me on the track to finish well? Wow. Boy, and God is there cheering us on. He's walking with us step by step, no matter how difficult the times may be that people are going through. And this is these are some challenging times for marriages and families and just the, our, our whole life right now. Well, you know, the devil comes to steal kill and destroy. And so when when we have a downtime like this, when things are not going well, when it's depressing, when you feel like, Lord, are you there? Are you hearing my prayers? Are you answering? He wants us to feel isolated. You're alone. See, nobody cares for you. Jesus doesn't care for you. The devil tries to whisper those things in our ears. We're never alone because Jesus promised he'd never leave us. But yet we also have people around us usually but we often have to just reach out and tell them that we're struggling because they may not even know it. But, you know, someone that was a mentor of yours, I love this, you wrote about, and we know Stan Reed, what a good man of God he is. And he wrote you this letter years ago. Dear Bruce, I don't have long to write, but sometimes the shortest and deepest feelings are best received. You have been like a son to me and a good one. I will always cherish our friendship. May God bless you real good. And I know you kept that letter. How long did you have that Oh, I've letter? kept that for years. And this was a man who took an interest in me. So the investment that he made in my life was one of the strengths that I had. That if I look back, I could say his life and looking at him and, and how he encouraged me kept me from going over the brink. That was one of those individuals that God put in my life. And it's, it's so significant and meaningful to me. And then you were talking about just being willing to open up to other people. We, we don't want to be isolated. Mm-hmm. We've got to reach and, and, and extend our hand perhaps to another person and say, boy, do you got a minute? I, I've got, I need your help or I need some encouragement, especially in times like now where we tend to be more isolated. And it's amazing how people will respond and come around you. I, I certainly experienced that. And I think it's harder for men. I think women are much more yeah. relational. They talk about things, the good, the bad, the ugly. Men, you know, <laughs> yeah. just might hold it in. So what do you mean exactly when you talk about finishing well for the Lord? How would you define that? Well, I think the the, the idea there is, the, the concept is in Matthew 25, 21, when Jesus gave us that incredible story of the talents, the mm-hmm. five talents, the two talents, and the, the, unfortunately, the man who buried the talent. But the result was they invested their lives in the things that mattered for the Lord. And then I could just picture God smiling at them when he came back and he looked at them and he, he nodded his head and he said, well done, 
you were my servant. Well done, mm-hmm. good and faithful servant. And so there's this idea of letting that be a driving theme in our life. Let that be a, a thread that works its way through yes. everything we do. And I, I've even had conversations recently with some very dear friends who um, whose marriage has been uh, really, really stretched. And, and yet that idea of finishing well has been one of the anchors that's been holding them in the midst of the storm so their little boat doesn't crash into the rocks. But... Uh, it is. It's. But it's. It's long term. But then at the same time, it's daily. Mm. We we have lots of small decisions, maybe little micro decisions every day. It's a new decision to say, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to follow you, no mm. matter what it takes." Because to do that, I believe there it comes at a personal price. Mm. Because it also means I'm going to honor my vows. Yeah, and I'll drink that cup. You put that cup in my hand, and sometimes it's bitter, but then there's joy at the end. So there is a, a soberness to this decision. And every day to say, okay, I will pay any price. And I have to ask, will I, be, will I pay any price? Now, in the ministry that you're leading, Tom, people are having to pay that price. Yeah. And for them, finishing well means, will I stay true to Jesus when others want to take my mm. life if I compromise. So we're, we're seeing that right now. The full implement, implications of that is, could I ultimately pay my life with that, wow. with that decision? And you know, you see that since you're with us at Uncharted, that we see like three groups of people that, that really make a difference for Christ when they come together. First of all, it's frontline warriors like we work with in the Middle East, that are going into places like Syria, that are going into city of Raqqa, where ISIS began and took down city of Raqqa and put up a sign, the Islamic Republic of, you know, the caliphate. And that's the kind of things that we're going on. Christians that stayed there, leaders, pastors that stayed there, knowing they probably were going to die, but they stayed. And then come together with people that pray, and are on their faces praying for believers on the front line, praying for the spread of the gospel, praying that God's kingdom would expand. And that is what they live to do. But unfortunately, ministry costs something. And there's a third group that comes in. And these are the people that display stunning generosity, doing more than they ever can imagine they would have given. And some of the gifts, you've seen it, Bruce, that have come in where just at the nick of time, leaders needed something in one of these Middle East countries, and certainly there's no place they could get it there. And a tremendous gift came in that God just laid it on their hearts. So it's it's warriors, it's, it's people that pray in their faces, it's those that give and display stunning generosity. And we never know what God calls us to, but we all play a part in this. And I think, um, I love what you bring out in the book. There are cultural messages to people who are getting older in their retirement years. What does the world say, but but what is the reality version of this growing older? This is such older? a great uh, topic, Tom. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, picture the image of a funnel. And 
it has a wide end then down to a narrow end. Well, at the wide end of the funnel, you can imagine the culture would say, oh, we love the youth or the young, the, the uh, healthy, the vigorous. You're at the start of your career and their success. And we love to stay at the wide end of the funnel. But the culture will look as we age, it starts to narrow and it starts to diminish in how the culture evaluates the aging process. And you move all the way through till you get down to the narrow end. And the culture is pretty well ready to say, well, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can step to the side. There's a whole line behind you. But actually, God reverses the funnel. He flips it around and he says, you know what? You're just now ready. You know, all that, all those uh, skills you acquired in that career, all the relationships that you've had and worked through, the, the fire and the water I have brought you through. We got the scars to prove it. He says, you're just now ready to be used by me for the, for the kingdom in ways you can't even imagine. So a picture then, the funnel going the other direction, you start with the small end, but then it widens out. Yeah. And God is saying, I'm going to do something in your life you can't even imagine. So I would say that the years ahead of us, no matter where you find yourself, the years ahead are going to be as significant or even more so mm -hmm. than the years behind. Now, I'll pick a number. In the six, let's say you're in your 60s. You could have 30 years of health. Easy. What could God do in your life in That's 30 right. years? Could. Or if you're in your 50s, 40s, I mean, you have got so much ahead that God can take everything that is invested in your life that the culture may discount. God's saying, you're now ready to go for mm. me. Mm. And how many people in our age group were in the 60s have put it in cruise control and are sitting on the couch and feel like their life doesn't have meaning. Hey, this is not the NFL where if you hit 40, you're old or Hollywood or whatever. It's the kingdom of God. And retirement's not in the Bible. We can be useful and make a difference for God all the way until we die. What does God say about those years? He says something different. Oh, they are so, so significant, Tom, in what God is saying. In fact, look at the scriptures where... Uh, People are just ready to go when they're 80. I mean, the, the classic example is Moses. He may have thought when he was 40, well, I'm ready to deliver. And then he fell on his face and then he had to flee Egypt. But God said, well, you know what? You've, I'm going to give you some more experience of walking with me to learn how to be a shepherd. There's so many more things. When you're 80, you're ready to go. Now, he could have missed the being front row to the greatest miracles in human history if he had held back like he was thinking about he was holding back, but he said, all right, I'll do it because God promised his presence. So we can look at example after example in the scriptures of how people have said, all right, I'm willing to do it and even rescue a nation. There is a married couple in Second uh, Chronicles 33 mm. uh, that I would say most of us haven't heard of, but they, next to Mary and Joseph, they're one of the most significant married couples. They were in their 80s and they rescued the nation of Judah this Queen Athaliah had taken, usurped the throne, right. and they rescued baby Joash. The, 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 the grandma, probably in her 80s, put him, uh, saved him in, in the back room. And then uh, her husband, Jehoiada, um, worked for seven years and then was able to maintain the Davidic line. God used these elderly people. Where do you practice? Oh, I'm going to save a nation. No, 
but God used their experiences. And so there's so many incredible examples of how people have just said, all right, Lord, I and, and I love your phrase, and I, I'll say, I'll, uh, uh, you say this a lot to the staff, just everybody swing for the fences. And that gives God the opportunity to work. And, right. be, and that stays in my mind. That's what a lot of these individuals did. Uh, they, they said, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you to, do, to use me. And I don't even know how it's going to turn out, but it was amazing what God did. Wow. You know, I was just thinking about this, too. You look at Abraham and Sarah, and and she laughed when, when the angel of the Lord told yes. her, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> At my age, you got to be kidding. And uh, and then the angel said, uh, why do you laugh? No, I didn't laugh. Uh, yes, but you did laugh. I heard yeah. you laugh. And throughout Scripture, there's not only a parade of people that were older and thought, they were probably useless at this point. There's a parade of people that failed miserably in their lives, and God used them. I mean, I think the New Testament example is Peter. When you look in the Gospels, every single question that Jesus asked Peter, that Jesus asked, not he didn't ask him to Peter, asked the group, Peter answered, and every single one of them he got wrong. So he was not like the smart kid in the front row raising the hand and the teacher goes, yes, and they get it right every time. He was getting it wrong every single time until Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And of course, Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father in heaven. And so then there's this collapse in the garden during the trials And so Peter is at another low ebb. And then after the resurrection, he stands up in Jerusalem and explains the whole Pentecost experience, the tongues of fire, all the nations are there. Probably the most unlikely candidate to get up in front of that group would have been Peter. I mean, I can imagine the disciples thinking, oh boy, what's he going to say? Is he going to go off the rails and say something that just doesn't even make sense? But the Spirit of God was there, and Peter spoke, and 3,000 were saved. He ends up writing Scripture. He ends up reaching people around the world. So he was probably in his older years, but not only that, he was an absolute failure. Speak to the person that not only feels like maybe I'm advanced in years, but I've wanted to serve Christ, but I haven't really known what to do, and nothing has really worked out. Well, I think that that's a that's an important point because everyone can finish well. We it, it's not out of our reach. In fact, God is right there with us, and we may have done some whoppers in our past. We look back and it's like oh, mistakes, regrets, whatever. But that's in the past. There, God can redeem it. In fact, He uses that very thing to prepare us for his work in the future that we can't even anticipate. And I believe that God can put on our heart these little glimmers. Sometimes we're so busy the day-to-day or we're not aware, but if we could get time away, I love I love what uh, you and Joanne uh, encouraged the staff. You call it FaceTime. And mm-hmm. I, when I was first joining the team and, oh, okay, Face. what are we going to do? Well, then you Joanne and everybody gets on their face on the on the floor, and I was shocked. But that was FaceTime, where we don't rush it. And but it's that idea of waiting on God and say, Lord, I've 
I'm ready to be used. And then without fail, he's going to give you mm. a thought, idea. Mm. Uh, uh, he'll create a desire in your heart or maybe even some restlessness. Sometimes it works that way. You might be involved with something, but there's a restlessness to do something else. So mm. he's constantly at work in a million ways to get our attention. It's really up to us to listen. Yeah. To be every, to tune in. Okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? Help me not to miss it. Mm. You know what, Uncharted, we say extreme, high risk, unwavering. No, let me say it again. At Uncharted, we say extreme, unwavering, high risk, because every soul matters. It's worth going all out in life. We, we want to finish strong. What do you hope people get out of this book if they read it? I hope it gives them um, some encouragement uh, to look at their life maybe in a different way. I would say, look at your life as God sees you. He sees you in a much different way. Often, and we're pretty hard on ourselves at times, or we, we may see ourselves at that narrow end of the funnel. Well, I'm ready, I'm ready for the stands. And God is saying, no, I'm calling you to be on the field. Mm-hmm. This is our time to be on the field. God mm-hmm. is calling us to, to be there. And, but we're not loners. We're doing it with others. We're, he'll often you know, bring us into a group, and, and we get the privilege of serving him together. That's what we want to do. But definitely, it's, it's on the field right now serving him, and he'll give us the, the directions we need. Boy, and the gospel is never in retreat. Yeah. When you see the evil that is so pronounced, so in your face today as we watch mm-hmm. the news, uh, it's all, all hands on deck time. We're, we're needed. The book is The Best is Yet to Be, Moving Mountains in Midlife. And Bruce, you do seminars in churches for men, and you can do men and women, right? Can, can yeah. you tell people about how to get a hold of you and what you well, offer? Well, this is and... a big idea, this whole concept of finishing well. And I think it speaks to the heart because we're, we're dealing with the heart, not just the head. So often, I think one of the problems I had, and I think many people have, is, is the Bible is in the head. And, and yet it's the heart, and that's the, 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 what you tell us uh, is it's head, you need both, head and heart and hands. We've got to put them all together, So, it, but it's at a heart level. And yes, I mean, this, the opportunity to present uh, um, a message or, 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 a, or some— uh, yeah, retreat or whatever on this topic, but certainly to be an encouragement, inspiration. Uh, I think it could be a, a real uh, 180 for many people mm. as they consider this. Mm. And how do they get a hold of you? Can they email you? How do how they, do we? Yes, they could show do, up at your doorstep. Well, but, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll keep the light on. Uh, yes, they could email me. Um, it's my first name, Bruce at Finishing Life Well. Dot com. Bruce at finishinglifewell.com. And I have a website, finishinglifewell.com. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it, I have just found my life in a completely different place now than mm. where I was before. And I'll never go back. Mm. I only want to go forward. want to go forward. This is a message for the body of Christ. And recently I've been in the book of Revelation, and we, we've all heard this verse. In fact, uh, an old prof of mine, Howard Hendricks at Dallas Seminary, used to say, read this verse as if it's the first time you've read it. Because a lot of times when someone says a verse and a message, or I read this verse today, hey, read it, 
immediately our mind can go to, oh, I know that verse, and just go to rote memory, and then lose the impact. And there's a verse in Revelation 3.20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. Jesus is knocking at the door, inviting himself in to our lives. It's often used as a verse for evangelism. And we'll talk to someone that doesn't know Jesus. What do you think? Jesus is at the door knocking. But actually, the context is that Jesus is outside the door. And this part of the book of Revelation is written to the church. So how incredible that Jesus would find himself outside the front door of the church. And how Mm. incredible that he's knocking at that door, wanting to come in. And it's that book, that uh, message to the church at Laodicea that was lukewarm, not cold, not hot, just blah. But Mm. Jesus still is coming to them. And then Jesus says, if you let me come in, and if you're faithful, I will let you sit on the throne with me. That's incredible that to amazing. me, Bruce, that these yeah. are lukewarm, I don't care, Christians, not really walking with Jesus, made a commitment, but Jesus is still pulling them toward himself, and he even wants to see them have great rewards in the kingdom. So all that to say, it's never too late, is never, it? Absolutely. It's never too late. In fact, today could really be something significant. Right now, God can interrupt our lives. Those divine appointments are all around us. That's right. And I, I, I just think, I want to keep my eyes open, and I believe he's going to do that for everyone that is seeking him. Amen. Well, could you close us today and pray for our listeners and... Um... I just think that there's probably somebody listening to this thinking, boy, the the way to go out is make enough money and just retire and, I don't know, do whatever. Get a cabin and be alone and get away from things. And God's called them to a life of significance. We got all the time in the world in heaven to do those kind of cool things. And, yes. and the houses here, not even going to compare to what's there. So yes. we want to we finish strong. Pray for our listeners, would you? Lord, we're just so grateful that we know you. Our life is so different because of what you have done and what you've accomplished. And Lord, if, if our hearts have grown weary, maybe we're a little dull or lukewarm. Oh, Father, you're right there knocking. You're right there saying, I want a close, connected heart to heart relationship with you. And I pray if anyone there is struggling or if we're feeling distant, Lord, that they'll just realize perhaps they're out in that wilderness. They're out away. Guide them back. You do that in so many incredible ways. And I just pray you'd remind them. You haven't forgotten about them. You know exactly where they are right now today and draw them to yourself and and reveal your next steps to them. Father, may we all in our own unique ways, finish well for you. And that'll that'll look so different for everyone. But Lord, we're on that path together. We don't want to be alone. And we're grateful for you, for Jesus, for the hope of eternal life. And we just uh, dedicate ourselves to you again for your glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. The best is yet to be. Moving mountains in midlife. Bruce Pepin, thank you for being with us. You're a great friend, oh, great so colleague at Uncharted. <laughs> it's a joy to been a dear friend for years. Thank you. It's been so good to be with you, Tom. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us on Good News from the Middle East. Amen.